Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you a story before we get going. A story of a young man saw this elderly couple sitting down to lunch at McDonald's. And he noticed that they had ordered one meal and one extra drink cup. As he watched the gentleman carefully divide the hamburger in half, he cut it in half, he gave half to his wife, and and then he counted out the fries. One for him, one for her, one for him, one for her, until each had half. And then he poured half the soft drink into an extra cup and set that in front of his wife. The old man then began to eat, and his wife just kind of sat there with her hands folded in her lap, and the young man decided to ask if they would allow him to purchase another meal for them so that they didn't have to share. The old gentleman said, oh, no, that's fine. We've been married for 50 years, and everything has always been 50-50, and we've shared everything 50-50. And the young man then asked the wife if she was going to eat. And she replied, oh, not yet. It's his turn with the teeth. (laughs) That's gross, isn't it? All right, one more. I got one more. All right. (laughs) There was this little girl who saw the movie Cinderella for the first time. And she was anxious to tell her friend all about it. And she began to recount the story in great detail, as children often do. And the friend interrupted and said, I know how the story ends. And the girl said, oh, yeah, how? They lived happily ever after, the friend answered. No, they didn't, replied the girl. They got married. (laughs) Today, (laughs) I don't know why I do this to myself. Uh, Today, we come to a wedding in Cana. Uh, John chapter 2, at this wedding, Jesus does his first miracle of turning the water to wine. Uh, Were you with me in the introduction of John? Not John chapter 1, but we did an introduction. Just by show of hands, were you with me in the introduction? Good. Then you know that in the introduction, John is writing his gospel, and and he told us in John 20, Verse 30 through 31, he told us why he was writing his gospel. John 20, 30 through 31. Come on, y'all, read it with me. And truly did Jesus, I need everybody to read it with me. And truly did Jesus many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So John tells us all the signs that Jesus did. Are you listening? 
All the signs that Jesus did were intended to cause us to believe in Jesus and believing would result in life in his name. Today, we come to the first of those signs Jesus did. Jesus turns water to wine. Now, if I were trying to inspire faith or trying to inspire belief in someone, I wouldn't choose this miracle as the first thing to tell them about Jesus. I would probably tell them about Jesus who was able to heal. I would tell them about the Jesus who was able to give sight to the blind. I would tell them about the Jesus who was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come forth, raise the dead. I wouldn't say, hey, Jesus can make water wine. So then the question is, why John chose this miracle to tell us about first? Well, I think this miracle is the first miracle because this miracle Different than the other miracles, this miracle is transformative. This miracle is right at the heart of what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to transform lives. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17, memory verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation and all things pass away and behold, what happens? All things become new. Jesus came to bring his transforming power into the lives of people. And so then it makes sense. The first miracle recorded by John is a miracle of transformation. I've titled this sermon, The First Miracle. John chapter 2, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I want you to say a hearty amen. On the third day, there was a wedding, where? In Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus, Mary, was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour, underline it, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, underline this, whatever he says to you, do it. Stop right there. Give me your attention, saints. John chapter 2 moves us from the area of Jordan, uh, the Jordan River down south to northwest to the area of the Galilee, which is Jesus' headquarters. Uh, Before we jump into the deep, profound points of this text, uh, I want to point out something that um, I think is is pretty obvious. Uh, And interesting enough, uh, in my studies, people really miss something very simple. Uh, In this text, you you can see, and I've learned, and you you can see, that Jesus liked to have fun. Say amen. Amen. Y'all look shocked. (laughs) Jesus liked to have fun. The story shows us that Jesus can have a good time. People like to be around Jesus. Jesus wasn't a Danny Downer, always spoiling the fun. Jesus loved parties. He loved to be around people. He, you know, some people think Jesus was like, 
always, you know, really holy and consecrated. And Holly Weird has us believing that wherever he went, you know, there was lights on his eyes. And, you know, stereo music followed him wherever he went, you know. So Jesus is walking. There's lights, you know. Jesus liked to have fun. Jesus went to parties. People loved to be around Jesus. Uh, Jesus loved to be around people. Jesus loved to laugh. Uh, People loved to be around him, and that's why they invite him to parties, because Jesus was a fun person. And people like to be around fun people. If you're a bummer, that's why you don't get invited. Amen? If you're a bummer, stand up. Jesus loved to have a good time, and I love that about Jesus. He was a God of joy. Somebody say amen. Amen. He loved joy. Okay, being that said, look at verse 1. It tells us on the third day that there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. There's a lot of discussion about the third day. We're not sure. Um, We know that it's not Friday or Saturday because Friday or Saturday is a Sabbath. Tradition tells us if you were a virgin, you were married on Wednesday. If you were a widow and getting remarried, that was Thursday. If you were not a virgin and not a widow, you got quietly married somewhere. I'm just telling you what I learned. The third day in the context, I think, the third day could be the third day after the discussion, if you were with me last week, after the discussion with Nathaniel from chapter 1. Verse 1 tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. We're not sure why. Maybe the wedding was for a family member. Maybe she was invited guest and invited guest and just was helping out, as weddings always require a lot of fuss and a lot of help, and things need to be done in details. You know, I heard this story of there was this young woman getting married, and she said to her mother, she said, Mom, this, is, this day is so important to me. I don't want to overlook one insignificant detail. And the mother said, don't worry, sweetie. I'll make sure the groom is there. <laughs> the groom is not an insignificant detail. A few interesting things about the story. You'll notice that there's no mention of the bride's name. Uh, There's no mention of the groom's name. There's no mention that the bride or the groom said one word, which was probably a good thing. This poet by the name of Ogden Nash said this, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup. When you're wrong, admit it. And when you're right, shut up. I like that. I think the reason John doesn't give us their names is because, think about this. The bride's not important in this story. The groom is not important in this story. The mother of the bride is not important. The father of the bride is not important. The only one that's important in this story is Jesus. Now, a bit about Jewish weddings. First of all, let me tell you that Jewish marriages were arranged. If you got a cute little boy, Yento, and a pretty little girl, Hadasha, the fathers would come together and settle on a price for the bride. And there are several things that would determine the price. Perhaps you're taking notes, you write this down. Several things that determine the price for the bride. The father's wealth. Was he rich or poor? 
the bride's worth. Was she worth two chickens, one goat? Can you imagine them? How much is she worth? Well, I'll give you two goats and one chicken for her. Or a cow and whatever she was worth, the bride's worth. And the groom's work, the father's wealth, the bride's worth and the groom's work. In cases where the groom's family was poor or dead, the groom would work to pay the price. So Jesus, so Jewish marriages are arranged, which I think we should get back to, because fathers know best. Say amen, fathers. Fathers know best. Amen. I'll say it for myself. Fathers know best. Girls look for all the wrong things. You see a man, she goes, oh, dad, you just got to meet him. He's so cute. He's just so, oh, he's just so cute. He's so fit. Oh, he's so built. He got six-pack. Oh, he got six-pack abs. He's so cute. They don't realize that six-pack is going to be a one-pack someday. They don't, they don't realize that. But right now, somebody, but between services, somebody corrected me. And they said, Pastor, said, I really enjoyed the service, but I got to correct you. And I said to him, correct me. Oh, you ain't going to go correct me. You ain't going to correct me. He said, Pastor, that six-pack. He said, don't turn to a one-pack. He said, it turns to a keg. I said, I said, you know, wait a minute, that's correctable. You're looking for all the wrong things. See, dads, we know what to look for. We want to know one thing. Does he have, come on, fellas, a job? Yes, sir. If he got a J-O-B, he's perfect. Say amen, fellas, where you at? He got a job, he's perfect. Now, if y'all like me, if he tell you you got a job, I'm going to follow you to your workplace. <laughs> I'm going to make sure it's a real job, okay? I don't want you flipping burgers. In the, there ain't nothing wrong with flipping burgers. Don't get me wrong. But if that's all you're doing, we might have to wait on the marriage till you at least get up the manager over the fries. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm preaching now. Something. We're looking for different stuff. Father knows best. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the wedding. First of all, you had the espousal period and the betrothal period. And this meant two people were as married as married can be. The only thing left to be done was the hoopah, H-U-P-P-A-H, the hoopah or the ceremony and the physical union. Actually, to break the betrothal, you needed an actual bill of divorcement. Uh, Jewish weddings weren't planned events. Uh, There was no day set or an hour set. The bridegroom would come when the bride wasn't expecting. And while she and her bridegroom waited, making dresses and preparing the lamp, she lived for the day the groom would return. Are you getting me? The return and the coming of the groom influenced the way she lived. Hmm. The bride didn't know when he was coming. The groom didn't know when he was coming. Only the father knew. Don't you remember when Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, but my father, which is in heaven, Matthew 24, Mark 12. During this time, the groom was also busy working on a room addition to the father's house, which usually took a year or two. Jesus said, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you and I'll come again and receive you to myself. While the groom was building the room addition, the bride is getting reports on the status of the house. Are you getting this? She's aware of the times and the seasons, but she didn't know the exact hour. 
So after his father gave the okay, the groom would go get his bride. The bride would be in her bed sleeping. Are you listening? The bride would be in her bed sleeping and all of a sudden, bang, 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 blowing trumpets and the, the groom's men are coming and they're coming down the street and they're shouting, the bridegroom cometh, the bridegroom cometh, wake up. And this was usually in the middle of the night that he came and literally stole his bride from her bed. She only had enough time to grab her lamp that should have already had oil in it. Y'all come with me. Matthew 25. Are you with me? Should have already had oil in it. The whole scene is very romantic for you romantic folks. This whole scene was pretty romantic. He sweeps her away and they ride off into the dark night to live together in love forever. And then there's the prenup. It's not what you think prenup. The prenups in the Bible was a contract and the blessings pronounced. After the ceremony or the hoopah, the bride and the groom, listen, would go into a private chamber and people are outside partying, eating your food, drinking your drinks. The best man would stand outside the door while, y'all getting this? While the bride and groom are in the chamber, <laughs> the best man, <laughs> the best <laughs> <laughs> the best man is standing outside the door. And when the marriage was consummated, the, 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 the bridegroom would yell out the door. It's all good, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think how to say that. Everything's good. And then he would tell the other guest and the party and would start all over again. The wedding, the wedding feast, the Jewish wedding feast lasted seven days, seven days. Jewish folks know how to party, y'all. They party till it's 1999. They like the party. They party for seven days. And then the, the father of the bride always gets stuck with the bill, which I'm trying to change that tradition as well. I think that should change. So the next time, get this, that you see the bride and the groom, they are coming forward, smiling, coming forward, and they partake of the marriage supper together with their guest. I can't imagine you don't get this picture. The Bible says that the trump of God will sound the rapture. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. And then we go to meet the church, the bridegroom, together in the air. And so shall we ever be with him. And meanwhile, we are tucked away in the chamber or tucked away with the bridegroom. Meanwhile, on earth, there's seven years of tribulation going on on the earth. And the next time you see the bride or the church, we are coming with Jesus at the marriage supper. Anybody excited about that? Anybody excited about that? That's awesome. So in our text, listen, all of these things have taken place in Jesus. I told you all that to tell you that Jesus now, all that's taken place in Jesus is at the wedding. It's nice to see Jesus at a wedding, isn't it? It's even nicer to see Jesus at a marriage. Oh, you need to write that down. It's even nicer to see Jesus at a marriage. Many people invite Jesus to the wedding, but not to the marriage. And can I tell you something? Marriage doesn't stand a chance without Jesus. 
And somebody say a better amen than that. Am I right about it? Marriage does not stand a chance, nada, without Jesus in the center. The statistics are alarming and overwhelming in our country. Over half the weddings in our great country end in divorce. And the person that's hurt in a divorce is not the exes. It's the children. It's the kids. And we say, oh, well, the kids, well, you know, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Well, I don't know if I'd say they'll be fine. I'll say they'll get by. Uh, survival is, you know, first law of nature or something like that. Uh, was it? Preservation is the first law of nature. There you go. And uh, they'll get by and, and they'll do what they have to do. And some of you guys are products of parents that had divorce. And you know how hard that is. Am I right about it? Or am I just talking? Yeah, I'm right about it. It's hard. It's hard on the kids. And so uh, for, for the love of God and for the witness of the church, stay together and love each other and get Jesus in the marriage and not just at the wedding. Somebody clap your hands and say amen or do something. We need Jesus, not just at the wedding, but also in the marriage. Well, in Jesus' day, marriage was a covenant. It was legal, civil, and religious. People say today, well, why get married? It's just a piece of paper. Listen, marriage is a covenant and a piece of paper before God and man. And I don't care what anybody says, and perhaps I can get a witness in the house. I don't care what nobody says. God ordains marriage, not man. And just because man alters things does not change things in the economy of God. God, Don't y'all understand God does not function on a democracy. God doesn't say, well, it looks like the vote of the people is this, therefore I'm going to change my standard. God does not function that way. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. You ought to be happy about it. Christian, God's standards are true. God's standards are right. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He does not change. He will not change because men change. Huh? We see Jesus endorses all of these by attending this wedding, look at verse 3. It tells us everyone is having a good time. All of a sudden, Mary realized they run out of wine. Look at verse 3. And Mary told Jesus they have no wine. There's a stress in her voice because this was a social catastrophe. If you're taking notes, you could write that down. This was a social catastrophe, a social disgrace to run out of wine. If you ran out of wine, you would never live it down. People would talk about you. It would haunt you for the rest of your life. And the reason is it was such a social disgrace was because the rabbis considered wine a symbol of joy. Isaiah 55, Psalm 104, 15. Uh, wine makes glad the heart of man. The rabbis taught if you run out of wine, you run out of joy. If the groom ran out of wine, it symbolized he couldn't provide joy for his wife and his friends. You couldn't run out of food. You could run out of food, but you couldn't run out of wine. In fact, a groom, get this, I never knew this, a groom could be sued if he ran out of wine. Isn't that unbelievable? 
because you have failed to meet social responsibility. So when Mary goes to Jesus and says, we have run out of wine, you can understand now there's an urgency there. In verse four, please look at it. Jesus said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Now, Jesus isn't disrespecting his mother by saying woman. I'm amazed as I looked at various translations and they have added the words like um, honored woman. In the original language, it does not say honored woman. There's no need to add words. When Jesus said All you have to do is look in the original Greek language and you can see this. When Jesus said woman, this was a term of respect. Don't you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? Are you listening? When Jesus was hanging on the cross in John 19, he looked down from the cross and he said, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.